Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed and I'm joined as always by my dearest friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm feeling good now. I've been upgraded from my man to dearest friend. That that uplifts me. I wanted to switch it up this time. I was like, I say man every time. How, how can I make it Even this is pretty good. So I'm already at the top of the food chain. All right. So <laughs> off that extremely high note, I want to go and get all the housekeeping out of the way really quick. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. We're on all those places. We're also on YouTube at the Jet Press. That's where all of our prospect interviews, all our interviews with Thomas Morstead, the Jets punter. They're all over there, all our full back catalog of episodes way back until the beginning in January. You can watch them all right there on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you hit that little bell so you get notified whenever we go live. Man, it is the dog days of summer, but there is still some Jets news. It just manages to always creep its way into the forefront. And this time it's Bryce Huff, who is right under the microscope with some fresh trade rumors, even though it's June 21st. We still got trade rumors. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt, the athletic kind of uh, hinted that the Jets aren't necessarily shopping Huff. They don't really necessarily want to move Huff, but they have received some calls. It, we don't really know if they're willing to engage. I think Rosenblatt said it was more just teams are being exploratory than the Jets kind of reciprocating and looking for some sort of move out. So when you look at that, you're thinking, all right, this is probably like a nothing and Bryce House probably going to end up with the Jets, which that very well... That might be the case if, at the end of the day. But I don't know if the Jets should necessarily just slam the phone down and go, we're not looking at Bryce Huff because Bryce Huff's role, I know that it's going to be diminished. We don't know why necessarily just because Bryce Huff was so good last year. Not a game changer, but I mean, he made plays a lot. He was one of the best pass rushers in terms of just win rate. Now he's not rushing every single down. He's not playing every single down. He's not dominating to that level. But when he had to make plays, he did. But now you look at the roster, they brought a lot of their uh, defensive linemen back. Carl Lawson's still here. Some people thought it may have been cap casualty. They didn't get rid of him, so he's still there. Jermaine Johnson's obviously going to have an elevated role this season. Will McDonald is going to come hell or high water, get on that football field. There's just no way the Jets pick a guy that high, and they just let him waste away on the bench. They let Bryce Huff kind of overtake him. So when you look at that, I mean – Bryce Huff may not be a guy who plays on game days. That's kind of where he's at right now. It's sad that he's there, but that's kind of the reality. So if if, if the phone calls keep coming, Joe Douglas at least owes it to his roster. Or at least maybe say, hey, maybe the team will flip us like a fourth or fifth round pick or something like that. They put a second round tender on Huff, so they clearly like him. Nobody took the second round tender. So there is some sort of mutual respect there between Huff and the Jets, but it's better than I think just having him waste away as like a replacement level guy who's going to play 10, 15 snaps a game or not even be active. Like you could find a guy for a little bit cheaper, a guy like maybe an undrafted guy just really stands out and makes the roster. And then you get some compensation back for Huff. It's not ideal, but I think that's the situation the Jets at least got to consider. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I remember last week when we were doing our like bold predictions or whatever, uh, I said that Bryce Huff, one of my predictions was that Bryce Huff was going to be inactive. If the Jets defensive line group, if their entire defensive line group is healthy, Bryce Huff's inactive. I don't I don't see a pathway to game day, you know, to him being active on game days. The Will McDonald pick pretty much sealed that fate for him because Will McDonald, I expect, and I think the Jets expect him to basically play the same role that Bryce Huff did last year, which is basically just a guy who comes in on third downs, on passing downs, and plays that situational pass rusher role. And I really do believe that Will McDonald can thrive in that role. And I think 
especially early in his career. That's a great role for him. The issue is that Bryceoff did a really, really good job in that role last year. In fact, I'm not sure you can do better than what Bryceoff did in that role last year. I, I got a few stats pulled up. This is from Jets X Factor. They pulled these from like PFF, Next Gen Stats, just a few stats from how good Bryce Huff was last year, how efficient he was. He finished first in the entire NFL in pass rush win rate. That's ahead of guys like Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, TJ Watt. He had a higher pass rush win rate, pass rush win rate. That's kind of a tongue twister. Say that five times fast. I, I'm not going to try. I'm not even going to say it again. Uh, that all of those guys. He also uh, finished second in true pass set pressure rate, third in QB hit rate. He also set a next-gen stats record. So in the era of next-gen stats, for pressure rate. He had the highest pressure rate of any defensive end, of any player that's ever been recorded in next-gen stats in the next-gen stats era. Now, of course, a lot of that comes with the caveat of he was only playing on passing downs. He was only playing in true pass sets. And as a result, he wasn't really getting double teamed. There was a lot less attention on him, especially because you had Quinn and Williams likely next to him. So he was in a very advantageous situation for that. But he still played extremely well. He was genuinely one of the, if not the most, efficient pass rushers in the entire NFL last year. So Bryce Up is an excellent, excellent player. And like you said, Mike, the Jets clearly value him in some way because they did place that second round tender on him this offseason. They did not want any other team to just sign Bryce up away. And, you know, if they if they had given him uh, an original round tender, which is, you know, he was undrafted or in a lower tender, some team might have done that. Now, if they're like whether they're going to trade him or not, I'm not sure. What we know about Joe Douglas is that he has a price point for his players. Last year, it seemed I don't know about likely, but it seemed very possible that they were going to trade a guy named Denzel Mims. Mims, of course, requested a trade and teams were offering picks. There were there were there were calls coming in for the Jets. But the report is that Joe Douglas wanted a fourth round pick for Denzel Mims, which is a very high offering or very high asking price. That was the report at the time. Uh, and I'm not surprised at all that no team paid that. So if Joe Douglas is asking for a fourth round pick for Denzel Mims. I don't know how he's going to accept the fourth round pick for Bryce Huff, right? Obviously two different players, two completely different positions. Maybe their opinion is different, but I think that, you know, I think that if, if Douglas is asking for a fourth round pick for Mims, you'd at least, you'd hope he's at least asking for a third round pick for Bryce Huff. And I'm just not sure any team's going to do that. I do think that, you know, of course, this is Robert Sala's defense. He lives by the philosophy that you can never have too many pass rushers, especially a player like Bryce Huff, who is an ex extremely talented player who's coming off an incredible season, right? I know he just played a part-time role, but he was really, really good last year. That being said, like you mentioned, Mike, if he's just going to be inactive, if he's just going to sit there, and even when he is active, play 10, 10 snaps a game because they, they seem to just not trust him at all on early downs. They only want him in passing downs. If that's his role, and he's a free agent at the end of the year, and you can get a fourth round pick for him or even a fifth round pick. Why not do it? Right. I love Bryce Huff and I'll be very sad if the Jets do trade him for a fifth round pick, but given how they seem to value him or at least the role that they've pegged for him on this team, it might make sense to consider trading him. I'm always indebted to Bryce Huff because he made me feel like an actual GM when I covered the shrine bowl, when he was there and very clearly, I think it stood out. He was the best defensive player. I thought him and Alex Highsmith were the two. And I thought maybe one of the top like four or five players down in Tampa right there. Very clearly, he was just that spin move was just nasty. He was just blown by people. Now, to be fair, James Morgan also dominated that game. And uh, hey, do you remember James, Benjamin? preseason legend, James Morgan. I'll yep. never forget that Hail Mary to Kenny Yaboa. I will, I will never forget that Hail Mary to yeah. Kenny Yaboa. And then also, do you remember Benjamin Victor? Yeah, receiver? wide receiver. Wow. Yeah. Ohio State. 
I mean, he was he was big and a good receiver. He just was too skinny. He was like 190 at six four, and he did like nine bench press reps. So it's like, oh, that's. I think he was still on the Ravens as of last year. I think he got cut. But anyway, anyway, Bryce Huff was in that elite. He was in that elite tier. Now, part of, every time there's an undrafted guy like a Bryce Huff that sort of emerges as a capable player or an above average player in his case, there's always this tendency to go, oh man, the NFL messed up. How could they let him go undrafted? And like. Yeah, the NFL did mess up, but like there are reasons that he went undrafted. And part of the reason he went undrafted was I just don't think the Jets believe he has just the capability to learn run defense. I think they think Will McDonald definitely does. I think if they add they think if they add weight to Will McDonald, he can be a solid run defender, even though he's primarily a pass rush guy. I just don't think they think that about Bryce Huff. And it really sucks because Maybe I'm just not as high in this guy as you, but I'm looking at like him and Jermaine Johnson. I think right now, undrafted Bryce Huff is very clearly a better pass rusher for sure than Jermaine Johnson, first round pick. And it stinks because Jermaine Johnson, where he got picked, is going to get so much more developmental energy put into him. Whereas Bryce Huff's already on the is he going to be on the roster next point, uh, next year point. It's it's kind of a sad situation, but like I get where Robert Sala is coming from in that he believes that it's easier to teach pass rush fundamentals, pass rush tools to people that maybe don't have it yet than to maybe add weight to a guy and teach them the finer points of run defense as a defensive end who plays a lot of wide nine. And I think there's some truth to that. Now, it's going to be tough gauging the value for Bryce Huff. Like you said earlier, Joe Douglas, is it could be a good thing because that means he's not going to like look like a rube and just trade guys away for the sake of making a trade. But also... It could lead to some awkward situations because then you're going to have Bryce Huff probably either wasted away on the bench and then his value is going to decline. So like this is if you want to trade him, now's the time to trade him. Don't just keep waiting and festering and, oh, maybe a guy will get hurt and he'll play well and we can mump it up. Like That's a lot of it's a lot of variables, man. So if, if you want to do it, just rip the bandit off and say, you know what, Bryce Huff, we think you're a fantastic player. But at this point right now, with the way that we want to build our defensive line with the guys that we the draft capital too that we've invested into these edges there may not be a spot for you and it stinks that it has to come to that but i just i feel like that's where the jets are right now of course i'd say the argument i'll play i'll play devil's advocate the argument against trading him is of course like i said before you can never have too many pass rushers especially uh in this defense and especially in a robert solid defense we've said it before the jets were very lucky with injuries on defense last year they were very healthy they were i believe like statistically one of the healthiest defenses the nfl has seen in a long time uh at least if you're using football outsiders uh like injury i forget what it's called uh, adjusted games lost i think is the, the name of the stat uh metric but you can never have too many pass rushers and if guys get hurt if say carl lawson gets hurt if john franklin myers gets hurt jermaine johnson whoever right this is a jets team that's trying to compete for the super bowl you want to be able to say, hey, you know, if one of those guys go down, we have a player who we know is really, really good that could step right into that role. Because say Carl Lawson gets hurt. Okay, boom. You bump Will McDonald into maybe a three-down role or into an early-down role and as well as playing on, on passing downs. He basically takes that Carl Lawson role. And then Bryce Huff can, can take that Will McDonald role. You'd love to be able to do that and have that depth to, to, to you know, have that kind of, you know, have that depth on this defense. Uh, and I think that would be the best argument to say to not trade him. Also, maybe looking to the future, Carl Lawson's entering the last year's deal. I believe they can get out of John Franklin Myers' deal after this year. I'm not saying they will, but I believe they have the flexibility to if need be. Uh, you obviously want Will McDonald to take on a larger role. You want to see Jermaine Johnson take on a larger role. Maybe Bryce Huff 
you bring him back and he's your top backup edge rusher next year. Maybe, maybe you, he, he kind of switches into that role and he shifts into that role. I don't know, but I think, I think the most likely scenario is the Jets don't trade him. I think they just keep him as extra depth and barring injury. He doesn't play a ton this year, which will make me sad. I, I won't blame Bryce Huff if he's upset about that. Cause he probably should be. Uh, and I think Jets fans will kind of also be surprised about it at first. Cause I think a lot of Jets fans are, are like, you know, talking about Bryce Huff as if he's going to have a big role in this defense this year, which he should, I wish he did, but just the numbers game, you know, it, it's, it's really just the numbers game, but I do think there's a solid argument for keeping him unless you can get really good value. I think where I would set the bar would be a fourth round pick. Anything less than that, I probably wouldn't consider trading him. More likely to be traded right now, just off the cuff, Denzel Mims or Bryce Huff. Oh, Bryce Huff, because I, I honestly, I think Denzel Mims more likely to be just be cut. Like I, I, I don't know if anybody's given up anything. But, to Mims. Well, let me rephrase it. More likely to be on the opening roster. Okay. Um, I'll say Bryce Huff. I, I, I think there's a very good chance that Denzel Mims is not on this, on the roster come, come week one. And I know this isn't a Denzel Mims segment, but it seems as though he's kind of fighting an uphill battle right now. He wasn't there for a lot of OTAs. Uh, Jason Brownlee is a guy who I think basically fills his role is cheaper, is younger. And he was there at OTAs and he was making plays. Uh, I, I think there's a very good chance that Mims isn't on this roster and, that's you know that's just the way it is. I I, I do hope Bryce Huff is on the roster though. Right. I, I do the only agree. reason I'm even thinking that about Mims is because the Jets had like 25 different opportunities to get rid of Denzel Mims before, and they never did. So I mean, there's something they think something of him. I just don't know what, but they're maybe it's just Robert Sala and Joe Douglas trying to like not look like bad talent evaluators. Like that we know that this guy is good somehow. We have to just keep trying because coaches do that all the time. Like I remember. Remember Jeff Fisher would always bring Kenny Britt everywhere he went. He's like, I know Kenny Britt eventually is going to be amazing. Like there's Kenny always Hackett doing that with Billy Turner. Yeah, yeah, Hackett with Billy Turner. Like everybody's got their guys. I think that honestly might be part of why he's why he's still around. So yeah. uh, Brian and Chad, I want to go to really quick. Who just said uh, you can't just take a draft pick next year if he gets traded. I prefer to get a player back. I mean, I would too. I just don't know how many teams would be willing to give up a, a player of that, that could really make an impact on the Jets for. I mean, we love Bryce Huff statistically, but it'll be tough to sell GMs on a guy who is really a pass rush specialist with seven and a half sacks in three years as being a guy who can really give up a player of note and not just like another guy competing to make a roster kind of thing. So I think that's an interesting note too, saying that, you know, wanting to get a player back. I'm really interested to see if the Jets try and make some trades like that this this offseason instead of looking for future draft capital not this offseason but this summer even you know before the trade deadline if instead of looking for draft picks they are looking for player for player swaps which obviously they're rare in the nfl they don't happen all the time but they do happen sometimes and maybe if the jets uh you know say they have an injury in another position and now they have a hole there maybe they can flip bryce huff a position where they have a ton of depth for a position that maybe they need some depth you know maybe another safety goes down and they need to add another safety maybe that's something they could explore i i wouldn't i wouldn't say you know i, I would say that that's definitely a, a, a real possibility for sure with that we want to kick off something that i think you guys will really enjoy because it's it's going to be kind of like our version of like a fantasy draft that I'm sure that you loyal Jet Press listeners, wherever you may be listening across the globe, shout out to our UK and Ireland uh, viewers who have really spiked up lately. Thanks for supporting the show. Wherever you may, may be listening around the globe, I'm sure you got some sort of fantasy football game or some sort of connection to that. Everybody loves those damn snake drafts. So what we thought we would do is have a little one of our own and kind of look at the Jets roster and figure out exactly who can build the best team? GM, Mike Luciano, 
or GM Justin Freed. <laughs> now, first order of business we have to do is figure out who is going to get the first pick, and then we'll go sort of inverse. So first pick followed by the, the guy who doesn't will get two and three, and then you'll get four, sort of like a snake kind of thing. Now, do you have a, do you have a coin? I do not have a coin. Okay. I'm scanning around my desk oh, insanely gonna, looking for something flippable. We're going to do this in the absolute worst possible way for a podcast. I'm going to ask Siri to pick a number one or two. Okay. And also, I don't have my volume turned on. So you're just going to have to, like, I'm going to show the screen. So oh, we're just going honor system here? Yeah. Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you the screen. Ready? All righty. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, hey, or wait, hold on. We got to determine. Uh, so one is me. One, I go first. Two, you go first. Cool. Let's do it. Amazing content. By let's the do it. Let's do it. This the audio first. users are just going berserk. Pick a number one or two. Okay, great. It said 57. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, great. How about you just go first? I'll defer to you. <laughs> that was incredible. It thought I said between one and zero and 100. That's amazing. Okay, sure. I'll go first. Thanks, man. You're so kind. Uh, <laughs> with the first overall pick, are we going to call this anything in the, the 2023 Jets roster draft? Yeah, the Jet Press New York Jets roster draft. That's a mouthful. So we don't got to say it every time. All right. I pick Team Justin Freed selects quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I have to. Obviously, I have to do that. Uh, I feel like there's no real needed for an explanation here. Uh, I obviously have to pick the the you know the most important player on this Jets roster, and it is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, also, this means you probably cannot take a quarterback, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, but I, I think that, that Aaron Rodgers is the guy to, to lead this team to greatness, and he's going to do that for my team as well. Me and Strevler will just run the wing tee. That's what we'll do. <laughs> So, so I'll just figure out, you know, if I can't get a quarterback, let me get a defensive stalwart. So with my first pick in round one of the 2023 Jets roster draft, I'm taking Sauce Gardner. Mm -hmm. I'm taking Sauce Gardner, a guy who I think is probably a top three or top two cornerback in football right now. You can certainly make an argument last year he performed like the best. I'm, I'm hesitant about giving that to a rookie right now or a second year player about having one year and saying he's the best but you know what he played like it and that's good enough for me in the first round so now on to round two where mm -hmm. we invert the order so i'll get the first pick and i'm thinking you know what maybe i should go get some reinforcements on the offensive side of the ball or i should just build a mega defense no one will be able to get through but you know what i think i need some offense so i'm gonna go with garrett wilson as my first pick of the second round, mostly because of what I think he can be this year. We said this yes last week on the Bold Predictions podcast. I don't think it's particularly unreasonable to say, you know what, maybe, just maybe, he could compete for the AFC lead in receiving yards. In 1,100 with crappy quarterbacks, now he's got Aaron Rodgers. You're telling me that's not got to improve his yards? Come on, get out of here. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I think that you got two great young core players to build around. I am going to go a different approach here in the second round. So I get back-to-back -back picks here. I'm looking to build from the trenches. I That is my mindset right here. And I'm honestly a little surprised that this guy is still available at the fourth overall pick. I'm taking Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle. Uh, I obviously, you know, he's he's one of the best players in this entire roster. He's one of the best defensive players in football. I want to get a stalwart in the middle of my defense. I went offense first round. Now I'm building, a, I'm, I'm drafting a player to build around in this in the second round on defense. So Quinn Williams is my pick here in the second round. And now we flip over to the third round 
the first pick in the third round, I'm thinking what my my roster building philosophy is going to be here, right? And if I have Aaron Rodgers, I know there's there's one kind of one position, I guess, on this Jets roster that might not be as deep as other positions. And so I'm looking at the offensive line, and I, I'm thinking I'm going to take Elijah Vera Tucker with my third pick. And I know I see your face that you you wanted to see you wanted him to fall. My thinking Man. is I don't think there's another offensive lineman that I want to take anywhere near this high. So I'm taking ABT right here in the third round. Give me Aaron Rodgers. Give me Quinn and Williams. Give me Elijah Vera Tucker. We're building the trenches. We're doing what Joe Douglas has been trying to do since he got here. Let's go, baby. Damn. I, I think there is a pretty firm consensus that if you were to rank the top five, I feel like that's the top five. You could – Maybe yeah. switch the order around of two through four, but I feel like every Jets fan would say that's probably the top five. Pretty, pretty low. So now I got I got the drop off over to six, and I'm gonna stick with a philosophy that I think the Jets have adhered to because they said, you know what, we don't want anybody throwing the ball at all. So I'm gonna have maybe the best cornerback tandem in football, and I'm gonna take DJ Reed with my third round pick in the 2023 Jets roster draft. Now. For all the hype Sauce Gardner gets, and I mean, that was deserved because that was as good a rookie year as you're going to see from like just right out of the box. Everybody immediately knew this guy was different. That overshadowed the fact that DJ Ree was one of the best free agent signings in football last year. Veteran leader, affordable contract, vocal guy, making plays inside, outside. Hard to not just fall in love with a guy like DJ Reed, especially since now I got both the corners. So you got, you got Bryce yeah. Hall. Who's going to stop what are you gonna do with there? Well, what are you well, there? Well, well, hold on. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Right. I, I don't think Bryce Hall is getting drafted in S. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll certain, I don't know if Bryce Hall's making the team, let alone getting picked here. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned we're drafting 10 players each. Probably we are doing that, yes. <laughs> so uh, we are done round three of ten. On to number four. So for those that just joined, Justin has Aaron Rodgers, he has Quinn and Williams and Elijah Vera Tucker. Yep. I have Garrett Wilson, I have Sauce Gardner, and I have DJ Reed. So, with the first pick of round four, I'm going to, you know what, maybe maybe I go offense again. Just okay. because I feel like I'm going heavy on defense. I got my cornerback tandem. You're not throwing the ball. Even though this guy is a little bit of a risk, and I may not be as goo-goo-gaga over it as everybody else, give me Brees Hall, man. Oh, yeah. Give me Brees Hall right now. It, I don't know what he's going to be because I don't know how healthy he's going to be or when he's going to go back to 100%. But, I mean, damn, those four games where Brees Hall was really cooking, that was something special. Big guy, receiver, quick, great vision. The play that will always stick with me is that play in Green Bay where he got that end around. It was supposed to be a trick play. It just didn't work, so we just ran for a 35-yard touchdown. I mean, you can't coach that. That's just all instincts and, and football talent. I got to say, there's a little scrambling on my end here. I was hoping to land one of the two Jets' top offensive playmakers. I was really hoping that. Because now I think skill position group's looking a little little thin out there right now. My draft board's a little thin. You're, you're building the Packers Aaron Rodgers just left is what you're doing. Oh, my God, you're right. We're going to have a really good D-line. and all. That's exactly what's <laughs> happening right here. Oh He's going to demand a trade to my team. I'm going to draft three mid-tight ends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fullback in the third round. Yeah, Nick Bodden's my next pick. Uh, oh, man. All right. I feel like now it gets really – it gets tricky. It gets kind of tricky. It There's does. one guy – that I've been looking at that I was probably going to draft. I was looking at Brees Hall, but this guy I was probably going to draft as well. 
Uh, and I want, you know, I want that veteran leadership. I want to draft for defense. I want to keep building this defense, keep building that front seven. I want a leader on defense, just like I have one on offense with Aaron Rodgers. So I'm drafting the quarterback of the Jets defense. I'm drafting CJ Mosley. He's my pick here in the fourth round. Yeah, in the fourth round. Uh, I know Mosley still gets some crap from Jets fans, but he's still a very, very good linebacker. He's giving CJ Mosley crap. There's a lot, well, obviously he had a, he got a lot of crap early in his Jets career, but I think he's kind of put a lot of that behind him and shown that he's still a really, really good player. I'm not sure he's quite the player he was when he was in his prime in Baltimore, but he is the leader of this Jets defense for a reason. He's still, he was an all pro last season. Uh, he's a great player and I'm very, very happy that he's my pick here in the fourth round. Now, it gets interesting because I'm still debating who my next pick's going to be. I have a Here's couple where the fun starts. I have a couple of guys in mind. I think you know what I'm going to do. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do the whole reach for need thing, right? I'm looking at wide receiver. I'm looking at tight end, running back. Right. I don't have any of those. I don't have any skill position players. But I just don't think the value is there right now. So I'm going to draft the player who I think is going to have a huge season this year. I think he's the best player remaining on the board. I'm drafting Carl Lawson. Let's continue to build that defensive line. Give me Quinn and Williams and Carl Lawson next to each other. Man, that's scary. Because I think Lawson, an extra year removed from that torn Achilles, I think he's going to be really, really good this year if he can stay healthy. So give me Carl Lawson. Give me Quinn and Williams. That's my that's my defensive line. And so I got Mosley and uh, Lawson. Those are my last two picks. I am thrilled that you made that pick because it gives me the opportunity to pick a guy that I was crossing my fingers and saying, I hope Justin doesn't take this guy. And maybe it's because I'm a hopeless romantic, and maybe it's because I've loved the guy for a while, both as a draft prospect, and I thought he was kind of underrated before he came to the Jets. And I think he's going to have a big breakout year. Give me Alan Lazard. Okay. With this pick. With that. <laughs> give me I'm, – I'm bullish on Alan Lazard. You are. I think, he, I think he's a guy who – we talk all the time about why Corey Davis is still on this team because of the fit. I think Lazard, honestly, could be an upgraded version. I think he's bigger. I think he's faster. I think he's probably a more physical receiver than Corey Davis. And I think he also has familiarity with the Nathaniel Hackett offense, which I think will really help him early on. So Alan Lazar just has all the ingredients that are just simmering that say, you know what? Alan Lazar is going to have a big year with the Jets, I think. Really I know great. Garrett Wilson's the star, but who's doubling Alan Lazard? He was getting double last year. Nobody's doubling him now. Not really I love the difference between our two rosters. You have two cornerbacks and three skill players. I have two defensive linemen, one offensive lineman, and a, a linebacker and a quarterback. I have no skill position players. <laughs> hey, speed kills, man. Al Davis. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Al Davis, as we all know, famously drafted really well for the last like 10 years of his life. We know that went well. Of course. So, oh, rest in peace, Al Davis. All right, anyway. Uh, sixth round. Sixth round pick, and that means that I am on the clock. And I'm thinking that, you know what, maybe I do need to finally go in the trenches. I mean, I can't put a whole team. I'm not building a 100-meter relay race team. Building the football team. So I'm going to go in the trenches. Vera Tucker may be gone, but you know who is not gone? Old reliable, the grizzled old vet, Dwayne Brown. Mm, okay. Dwayne, Dwayne Brown, I know people are just assuming that, you know, this is going to be his last year with the Jets and it's whatever, whatever. Dwayne Brown, while playing hurt for large chunks of last year, was pretty good at age, what, 37? So a healthy Dwayne Brown, who I think is – Right now, if you just put them both on a football field and say play tackle the best of your abilities, I think he's better than Mekhi Becton. Long term, probably not. Immediately right now, there's a game tomorrow. I think Dwayne Brown is a better tackle than Mekhi Becton. And on a Jets offensive line that's had some moving and shaking lately, it just makes too much sense for me to pick a guy like Dwayne Brown. 
I like that pick. I think that Dwayne Brown, a lot of people forget he was hurt last year. He played with basically the entire season with a torn rotator cuff. So and I, he was good. He was he good. Was all right. He was all right. He definitely held his own. Uh, so I like that pick. I definitely think it's smart for you to finally add a trenches a player in the trenches. Uh, I've taken enough of those. So I don't think with either of my next two picks, I'm going to do that. I'm going to draft someone before you draft him because I feel like he's the last defensive back that I want to draft, at least at this stage. I'm going to go Michael Carter to second. I, I, I need a cornerback. I think he's one of the best nickel corners in the entire NFL. I don't think the value is there with these Jets safeties. And there's definitely not another corner that I'm looking to take over Michael Carter. So give me Michael Carter. I finally added a defensive back. I add a cornerback. That's crazy that the Jets three, the top three cornerbacks on the Jets were all just drafted in what the top 11 players or whatever it's been. And you still miss some defensive backs. I mean, they're still they got te- depth there, man. They do. They absolutely do have depth. Uh, so that's that's going to be my first pick. And I think I need to add a skill player in offense. I, I need to do it. It's been too long. I'm not going to take a running back. I don't think the value is there. And honestly, I'm not sure the value is there at wide receiver either. I'm not. I'm not feeling Nicole Hardman or Corey Davis at this spot. So I'm going to go Tyler Conklin. I think with a with a legit quarterback now in Aaron Rodgers, Tyler Conklin could have a very good year. He, he was held out of OTAs with an undisclosed injury, but the Jets expect him to be ready by training camp. So give me Tyler Conklin at this spot. I would love I would love to see the Jets target their tight ends more in the red zone this year. And if that happens, I think Conklin is definitely your tight end one. I know people are looking at Jeremy Rucker and he maybe he can take some snaps away this year. But I think if anybody's going to be the 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 opposite of a beneficiary of that, whatever that word is, I can't think of it off right now. Uh, but I think that's going to be CJ Ozama. I don't think Conklin's reps are going to get a cut into. He's going to be my top skill player on this off in this offense. A Tyler Conklin led passing game. I mean, it worked out so well for those those Kirk Cousins Vikings. That everybody got hurt. Tyler Rogers will make him look good. Rogers will make him look great. I, I bet. I mean, I still don't have a quarterback. I got to get like Zach Wilson at the end or something like that. Right. So, but uh, I'm looking at the Jets roster right now. I want to get on the ground floor or something I think could be really good. Everybody's drafting for the right now, but I want to secure that guy that I think could really blow up. So before you take him, I am snatching Will McDonald right now because Will McDonald is a guy who, as mentioned on the last podcast, I genuinely think that if you take Will Anderson out of it, because I think Will Anderson is a Miles Garrett-level defensive end prospect that did not get discussed as such for whatever reason. I think Will Anderson's unbelievable. If you take him out of that, I don't think it's unreasonable for him to lead all rookies in sacks this year with how quick he is, with how he's finally in position with the depth on the defensive line. So he's not going to get like zeroed in on like maybe Anderson or like Tyree Wilson might be with the Raiders. I think he's in a really good situation to just pile up the sack and pressure numbers. I even compared it to uh, Carl Lawson during his rookie year in Cincinnati. I think he'd have a similar sort of impact. So with that, we are done. I believe round six. Yep, that was that's now that was uh, seven. That was round seven. All right, so uh, three we, picks left each of us. Three picks left each of us. Okay, really, really quick, really quick. Let's quickly run through our team so everyone could hear what we have left. You go first. All right. Well, I started with Sauce Gardner, and then I got Garrett Wilson. I got DJ Reed. I got Al Lazard. I got Dwayne Brown. I got Will McDonald, and then I got uh, – I'm missing one. Oh, crap, I'm blanking on my round three pick. I know who it is. I got DJ you. Reed, no. No, no. It's oh, Brees, uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Yeah. Brees Hall was your fourth round pick. I wrote this down as we were going along just so I like I have this. Like yeah, I, 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 knew, I knew I was going to forget. Oh, boy. So, uh, all right. So, so your team definitely heavy on skill position players. You finally are adding trenches with Dwayne Brown and Will McDonald there. 
Uh, my seven players that I've taken so far started off with Aaron Rodgers. I think that that one speaks for itself. Then I built trenches. Quentin Williams, Elijah Vera Tucker, took a leader on defense in C.J. Mosley, took Carl Lawson, who I hope will have a, a, a huge bounce-back season now that it's another year removed from that torn Achilles. Then I went Michael Carter to second and Tyler Compton, two players who I think are very underrated on this team. So those are our rosters right now. We have three picks left. Mike, you're up in the top of the eighth round. Who do you got? I'm going to have to go trenches again. I just, there's too much depth here for me to not go trenches again. And that means Jermaine Johnson. Did I just say earlier on the podcast, I am not a fan of Jermaine Johnson as a pass rusher? You're damn sure I did. However, is there potential there? 100%. Is he a great run defender right now? Totally. That's why I'm grabbing Jermaine Johnson right here. That is fair. I I got a little scared when you said trenches because I'm targeting two trench players with these next two picks, but neither of them were Jermaine Johnson. All right. Um, I feel like our teams are a little different. You're you're going a lot. Or I, I feel like I'm going kind of going all in on that Aaron Rodgers window. I'm like, we got to win in like one or two years. Otherwise, you're not throwing to anybody. Because <laughs> yeah, you got Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson. Well, well, we'll see. Skill position players are overrated. All right. It's okay. Uh, who's your quarterback? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, me and Strevler, if we're run like Navy. We're just going to do triple option. You, yeah, Garrett Wilson on pitches. Yep, Strebler and Bree. Honestly, Strebler and Brees Hall in the backfield could be pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm going back to the trenches, man. I want to build this team from the inside out. So I got back-to-back picks here. I already took a couple players who I think are very underrated in Michael Carter II and Tyler Conklin. I'm going to go with another player who I think might be the most underrated player on this team. And I know people will say DJ Reed. I think Jets fans know just how good DJ Reed is. I'm talking about a guy who just doesn't get enough much enough love from this Jets fan base. It's John Franklin Myers. Give me John Franklin Myers with this pick in the eighth round. I think he's an exceptional, exceptional player. I think he is... I mean, he's probably the third best defensive lineman on this team, maybe the second best, depending on what we get from Carl Lawson this year. But he's extremely underrated in what he does. The Jets ask him to do a lot of things, both as a pass rusher and a run defender. He can play outside. He can play inside. If I want to line him up next to Quinn Williams, I can do that. If I want to line him up across from Carl Lawson on the outside, I can do that as well. So give me John Franklin Myers. I think that defensive line with Quinn Williams, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, that's stacked. I'm very, very excited with that pick. And I'm going to go another trench player here. I've taken one offensive lineman in Elijah Vera Tucker. You then took Dwayne Brown. And that's okay because Dwayne Brown was not the second highest offensive lineman on my board. I'm going all in on Makai Becton, baby. Give me Makai Becton. I'm swinging for defenses. I think my team is good enough that even if Becton gets hurt, if there's something, you know, something goes wrong with Becton this year, I have enough talent that I can overcome that. At least that's, that's my hope here. I think in the eighth, ninth round, that's a really good sweet spot for Mekhi Becton to be drafted. He's one of those late late round picks in this in this fantasy draft where you're kind of just swinging on upside. And that's what I'm going to do with Mekhi Becton because if he hits, I think that's the steal of this draft. I got a nice little chuckle when you said, you know, if Mekhi Becton gets hurt, then we'll do A, B, and C. Oh, and I thought, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to do? He has not played a home game as a Jet with fans that's in the building. Year four. That's fine. Give me Makai Becton. I want that upside. He's motivated. He's determined to be the guy this year. And guess what? Dwayne Brown's on your team. So Makai Becton can play left tackle. You can be motivated. You can't motivate your leg to hold more weight, you know? He's going to play left tackle for my team, and he's going to be great. He's protecting Aaron Rodgers' blindside. All right, unless the turf's a little slippy, and then, oh boy. (laughs) So I'm going to go in the trenches, too. And I think there's really only two candidates for this spot right here, that being Lakin Tomlinson. And Joe Tipman. 
And I'm really torn between this because I there's no way Lake and Tomlinson just forgot how to be an offensive lineman. He was terrific with the 49ers. There's no way he just devolved and just forgot how to play lineman. So I'm saying, you know what? If he bounces back, maybe a Pro Bowl adjacent type season because he was a Pro Bowler with the Niners. Or I could go on the ground floor again and get a guy like Tittman, who we both liked as a prospect. Not perfect, but we both liked him. And I think he's probably one of the more safe players. I mean, very few guys. Did, you see anybody say, oh, Joe Tippman's terrible and he's going to be a bust? I feel like everybody kind of thinks Joe Tippman's going to be a solid professional player. And that's when I'm going to go with Joe Tippman. I just don't want, I do have some volatility on there. I can't take another year of how good is Lake and Tomlinson going to be. And that brings us to round 10. And I'm kind of backed into a corner because I didn't have a quarterback early on. So, you know what? <laughs> You know, I look, you know, my thoughts on this guy. Come on down, Zach Wilson. I, dude, I thought you were going to say Tim Boyle. I really thought you were going to say Tim Boyle. Uh, man, I mean, I do know your thoughts I, on Tim Boyle. I've seen Zach, I've seen Zach Wilson at least like make an above average throw, which I have not seen Tim Boyle make. So, and you know what? My team is going to, you know what? My, it's very similar to last year's team where they won in spite of Zach Wilson. We're going to win in spite of Zach Wilson. It is a, extremely similar. I, I can't help like, looking at your roster. I can't help but feel like Dwayne Brown just got so lost. Like he's completely out of place. You have a bunch of dudes on rookie contracts with the exception of DJ Reed and Al Mazard. And then you have Dwayne Brown, who's 37 years veteran old. Veteran leader, man. Veteran, veteran leader. Keep the young true. guys in line. Meanwhile, I, I guess thankfully we're not taking salary into account here because I have uh, two players on rookie contracts and it's Michael Carter II and Mekhi Becton. So... That's I'm glad that there's no salary cap. In the we're, playing with the, we're playing with the Saints rules over there. Yeah, no salary cap in this universe. Mickey Harris, not Mickey Harrison, Mickey Loomis. Mickey Harrison yeah. with the heat. <laughs> Mickey Loomis. So now we have Mr. Relevant in this draft. We have the last pick of the draft. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of scouring my roster. At this point, I'm looking at like what do I what do I need? Right. So first of all, we're gonna take we're gonna take a, a, a 2023 NFL approach and we're gonna say we're not drafting running backs. All right, screw that. We're gonna get an undrafted guy. We're fine. We don't need a running back. I'm not gonna draft one. But I I still don't have a wide receiver. <laughs> so <laughs> I I really think in true Aaron Rodgers fashion, we're gonna add our only wide receiver and it's gonna be in the late rounds of the draft. It's in fact gonna be with our last pick of the don't, draft. Don't make it who I think it's gonna be. I, I'm not. <laughs> it would be. Are you thinking Randall Cobb? Because that, yeah. that would be so funny. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. That would be really funny for the memes. But I'm going to go with a guy who I think is the best wide receiver that has not been drafted yet. I don't think he's going to be number three for the Jets, but it's I think the guy who's the I, I, arguably, in my opinion, maybe the second best wide receiver on the Jets. And it's Corey Davis. Give me Corey Davis here with the last pick in this draft in the 10th round. I think, you know, you know, my thoughts on Corey Davis. I've said this multiple times throughout the offseason. I think Corey Davis is a slightly better player now than Lazard. I said that before the Jets signed Lazard. I said that after they signed him. I think he's a better route runner than Lazard, and I think he's just gotten a really fair, unfair shake of things in New York, mostly due to injuries. That first year in New York was obviously a train wreck for him. He, well, I don't know if you want to say folded under the pressure of being wide receiver one, which ignore the fact that that's the case here on my team as well. Uh, he's he's setting the guy up for failure again. He is now why we'll, tr- we'll sign DeAndre Hopkins. We'll be good. I thought, um, I thought you were going to take Nicole because I think Nicole is probably the Nicole. It was between Corey Davis and Nicole Hardman, uh, but I, I just think Corey Davis is a more well-rounded player. I think he's a better wide receiver. I like Nicole's special teams ability, but I'm not drafting a guy in the you know in the top ten rounds or whatever for special teams ability. So I would have targeted Nicole Hardman in a couple rounds after this, but give me Corey Davis here. I think 
if he were to actually get a solid snap share this year, which I don't think he's going to, I think he could have a bounce back year because he was genuinely pretty good last year before he got that injury. Um, so I, I like the Corey Davis pick here. Obviously wish there was more depth in the skill positions so that I could have uh, drafted one earlier, but Hey, maybe that's why the Jets should sign Deandre Hopkins. Then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't ah, have been you're tying it all together. Uh. Exactly. But I, I think, I think I like my team. All right. Do you want to read off our rosters for the last time? And then, chat either live or, or later whatever you're listening to this oh. and tell us who you think won this draft you're, well i got sauce gardner i got uh garrett wilson i got dj reed i got Brees hall i got my boy alan lazard who i'm telling you is the second best wide receiver on this yeah. team no matter what justin may say <laughs> i got Dwayne brown then with my seventh round pick i went with will mcdonald and then jermaine johnson right after that really stacking up on the defensive ends followed by joe tipman and then begrudgingly under at gunpoint, almost Zach Wilson. <laughs> you know, I gotta say you reading out Alan Lazard of the fifth round picks. It makes me feel a lot better about that Corey Davis pick in the 10th round. I'm just uh, saying, yeah, well, you were all hyping up Becton and then he's going to sneeze too hard to be out for eight weeks. So. <laughs> Enjoy Zach Wilson as your quarterback. Anyway, <laughs> my team, the better team, right? The, the, the winning team. I'm just, I'm not going to, you know, I, I think my team's good, but we'll see. Uh, I got Aaron Rodgers in the, with the first pick. So I, I got to say, thank you for letting me have the first pick there. Cause I think this draft goes very differently. Better than Siri uh, doing it. So <laughs> dude, Siri sucks. I, it's bad. Uh, anyway, Aaron Rodgers, first pick Quinn and Williams, second pick Elijah Vera Tucker, CJ Mosley, Carl Lawson, Michael Carter, the second Tyler Conklin, John Franklin Myers, Mackay Becton, and then in the 10th round, Mr. Irrelevant, steal the draft, Corey Davis. Let us know what you guys think. This will probably be up on uh, the social pages. You can do a little uh, you do a little interacting over there. We'll finally find out who wins this thing, and it'll be fun watching in the regular season. I bet this thing will get brought up again in the regular season. Oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. Well, once once Mackay Becton makes the All-Pro team, dude, I'll bring it up. Oh, okay. Once he makes the All-Pro team, yeah, in, uh, in Neverland with the starting quarterback Peter Pan. Okay. Oh, let, let us know, by the way, if you want to see us do this again in the future, maybe with like all-time Jets roster. I know that'd be a lot, but maybe I, I think it'd be pretty fun. Uh, I had a good time doing this, at least. I don't know. I had a fantastic time doing this. Let's yeah. share more fantastic times. There's one more kind of little, little bit of nostalgia to get you through sort of the dog days of summer, that time when Jets news can be a little hard to come by. Let's go and reminisce. And uh, I'm sure everybody's got at least one or two Jets games that just really stick out in your mind as tremendous memories. One of I want to dive into two. There's a couple. There was that one game against the Steelers. I don't really want to get too into this. There was one game against the Steelers where my dad threw a bunch of snow on a guy's car to dig his car out and leave, which he told me, don't tell your mother about this, but <laughs> he did that. That was a 6 nothing barn burner that the Jets won. But two games really stand out, one of them being uh, the last game at the old Meadowlands, which I went to. God, I had to be maybe 12, and I had to leave like – early in the third quarter because it was a school night. So that tells you how long ago it was. This is your favorite memory? (laughs) This is – well, I'll tell you why. Because they were playing the Bengals. And that was in 2009, I think, or 2010. So it was nine. So they played the Bengals the next week in the playoffs, beat them again. But they had to win that game to get in. It was a win in their end thing. They won 37 to nothing. Carson Palmer played only the first half. He went one for 11 with zero yards and an interception. I mean, Carson Palmer, great quarterback. He performed like that. The Bengals had nine total yards of offense in the first half, and the Jets were up 27 to nothing. I mean, they were just steamrolling them. Everybody was going crazy. I was getting, like, high-fived and hugged by, like, strange old men that I didn't know because it was just this euphoria 
of like, hey, kid, come here. Ah. It was complete bedlam. Marty Lyons gave a halftime speech about they're tearing this building down, but it can't take away. The-. It was it was a rousing moment. I felt like I was like going to be on like the battlefield, like a general was talking. It was just this <laughs> this euphoria. <laughs> That is that is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, it sucks you had to leave early, but yeah, I mean that's. I'm, look, I, look, I love my mom. My mom's amazing, but I mean, like, I think she was just like, oh, it's it's a school night. I'm like, but it doesn't matter that it's a school night. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. was your dad, was, your, was your dad there too or no? Uh, yeah, he he went. Yeah, he went. So that wasn't the time he shoveled the snow, though, right? No, that was a different time. That was okay. uh, yeah, yeah. I think I had to be like six then, and I'm just sitting. Imagine a six year old like <laughs> in driving snow, watching a six nothing game against the Steelers. I think Tommy Maddox was the quarterback. Oh, for the Steelers God. then. So yeah, that was wow. that was that era. Wow. Well, that that is that is an awesome story. I don't know if I've ever told this to you, and I, I've mentioned it before in the past on Twitter in passing, but I don't know how many people watching this actually or listening to this actually know about this, but I'm going to tell you my Tanner Purdom story. Uh, Tanner Purdom, of course, a former long snapper of the New York Jets. He was a Jets long snapper for a long time. And my entire life, I've kind of latched on to like those unheralded players, you know, the, the kind of under the radar unknown players that aren't really you know, in the high profile. It's the reason I have a Will Parks jersey. I love Will Parks. Uh, Tanner Purdom was one of those guys. Other guys like Darren Walls. I love Darren Walls. I love Josh Baker. Like, these are crazy shouts, right? I love Tanner Purdom, and I got a Tanner Purdom jersey. I, I was one of the guys, one of the few people in the world who owned a Tanner Purdom jersey. Does Tanner Purdom's mom even have a Tanner Purdom jersey? Well, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to something about his family in a moment uh, as a quick little spoiler. But anyway, let me let me bring you back to the year is 2016 it is december 17th now this is a obviously a bad jets team uh this was new york jets versus miami dolphins at metlife stadium uh as a quick spoiler the jets lost this game 34 to 13 it was a thrilling quarterback matchup between matt moore and bryce petty uh and it's just an incredible game uh why'd you have to bring up bryce petty (laughs) now of course the the game itself is not the reason that this is a great memory for me uh although sharon peak had two catches in this game so that's pretty fun i'm just you know throwing out little fun facts that i when i was looking up this game trying to remember what happened in the game because i honestly don't remember uh that's what i saw but anyway wow matt moore 12 of 18 four touchdowns i mean it was just that was embarrassing winning quarterback performance by matt moore there uh so anyway, I was a freshman in college and uh, like the sport management department, right? That was my degree that I got in sport management. Uh, decided to like do a trip to MetLife Stadium. So I went with a bunch of my friends. Uh, we went there and, and we were like sitting behind one of the end zones was where we were sitting. And I'd never sat there before. It was a pretty, pretty cool spot. Um, and we were just, you know, just sitting over there. I, this is by the way, also a fun fact about this story. This is the day that I made a Twitter account for the first time. And if you, this is my Twitter account, like that I, my personal Twitter account was created on this day, December 17, 2016, because of this story. Because when I was going to that game, me being the fan that I was, this is before I started writing at the jet press. I was just a fan watching and I was wearing my Tanner Purdom jersey. And I'm like, you know, it'd be great if he, if I found a way to let him know that I was wearing this jersey. And so I created a Twitter account. This is not a joke. I created a Twitter account with my original handle, which I think 
was like Jets fan and then my birthday. I'm pretty sure it was like Jets fan. <laughs> Give it oh, your personal information in the Twitter I, handle. That's a good strategy. I think it was Jets fan 0615, which, hey, my birthday was six days ago. That's Happy birthday, oh, Justin. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Um, and so I, I'm pretty sure that that was it. And I quickly had changed that afterwards. Uh, and that's the same Twitter account, by the way, uh, that I have now. But made that account, literally tweeted at him with a horrible picture of myself wearing this jersey strapped into a seatbelt on the way to the game. <laughs> And just was like, hey, you know, added at him. I didn't know how Twitter worked. I was like, hey, I'm wearing your jersey or whatever I said. And I'm going to hope to see you at the game, right? Whatever. Obviously, he didn't see the tweet originally. Uh, again, spoiler. Get to the game. Um, and I'm like, all right, I got to find another way to show him that I'm wearing my jersey. Because I think it'd be pretty cool if he saw, you know, one for me, I think that's a really cool experience. But also for him, like how many people go to games wearing Tanner Purdom jerseys? I think that'd be pretty cool for him to see. So I'm looking around the stadium, trying to find out where I can, you know, where the best position for me to get him to see my jersey is. And so I see the tunnel where the Jets are running out of and, you know, running in and running out of. And special teams is already on the field. So I'm like, okay, if I go to where that tunnel is, when special teams goes in, I can stand on top of the tunnel and show him my jersey. That's all I wanted, right? So I'm like looking around the stadium, trying to find where I, I got to be. And I go to the area uh, uh, where like that tunnel is, right? And I look down and I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not joking when I say this. I look down in like probably third, fourth, fifth row, something like that. There's two people wearing Tanner Purdom jerseys. And I'm like, well, that's insane. This is crazy. Either they're as ridiculous as I am or more likely they're family members or they know him, right? That was my thought process. And so I'm like, all right, I got to go down there. And I tried to go down there, but then the usher stops me and he's like, you know, you got to get it. Where's your ticket? And I'm like, listen, I explained to him the exact situation. <laughs> I don't, I don't get that 10 times every day. I don't bullshit anything. No, he, he does not get what I'm about to tell not him. Not Tanner Purdom, but like, hey, I yeah. want to see this player. No, I, I'm not, not even that. I'm like, you see those two people down there. They're wearing Tanner Purdom jerseys. He's the long snapper. I'm also wearing this jersey. I just want to go talk to them and ask them how, where they got their jerseys or why they have their jerseys, right? And I'm like, five minutes. I'll come right back up after five minutes. And he lets me down. He, amazingly, he lets me down. I don't know if I was persuasive. I convinced him, whatever. Or he probably just didn't care. Look, I don't get paid enough to care about that. Maybe. Like, on, go so, ahead. I don't care. So I go down there and I, and I talk to them. It was, it was a guy and a girl. I talked to them and probably like, you know, mid-30s, whatever they were, you know, Prior around Tanner Purdom's age. Uh, and I, I, you know, I show them, I'm like, yo, I, I have the same jersey. And I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And they like start talking to me and I find out it's his best friend uh, and his best friend's wife, fiance, I forget. I think it's his fiance uh, at the time. And we start talking and I, I start, I should also mention, I was there with not even like a sort of friend of mine, like a colleague of mine who was also a Jets fan who just happened to be at the game because he came with the trip. So he was also there, just kind of caught up in this as well. Um, but we start talking and I'm, you know, I'm talking to them and, and I'm just like, you know, we're just, we're just chatting a bunch. And I'm, I'm telling him, I want to, you know, see if Tanner Purdom comes by and they're like, oh yeah, dude, stay right here. We'll make sure we get his attention. You'll see him. It's great. And they're like, actually his wife is, is coming down soon and she'll be joining us. And so a few minutes yeah, past. You can't, by. you got to run though. Dude, no, no, well, no. Well, in theory, yes. But at that point, I'm like, screw the five minutes. I'm staying here, right? I, I'm, I'm staying here as long as I can because uh, this is this is awesome. And his wife comes down the stairs and, you know, eventually her, her name was Kara. She's on Twitter and stuff. She's wonderful. All these people, by the way, wonderful, amazing people. Uh, so nice, so generous. Uh, she she walks down the, the stairs or whatever and greets us. And, and she's like, oh, my God, you're, you know, wearing a Tanner Pernum jersey. I, I introduced myself. And we all just start talking. And his wife's like, 
you know, you should just sit with us for the rest of the game. <laughs> mind you, all of my friends are like back in the other part of the, uh, the stadium and they have no idea what's going on. Um, with the exception of like the one person I'm with who I'm like not really friends with at all. He's just kind of there. Um, no offense to that guy. If he ever listens to this <laughs> weird shot, okay. <laughs> he was like my friend's cousin anyway. Right, anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I will, I will a hundred percent stay with you guys for the rest of the game. So I, I end up, you know, staying with them for the game and the usher never came down. And I guess if, even if he did, what are they going to tell the family of this player to like, not have this guy who's, you know, wearing his jersey. I don't know. I, I assume he would, that's not something he wants to deal with. Um, unfortunately, or I did when, Ta I think when Tanner Burnham ran into the tunnel, I did like show him my jersey and he did see it, but there's more, right? So I, I ended up sitting with them the whole rest of the game. Obviously awful game. We already went over how bad it was. This was the game, by the way, the famous uh, play where Bryce Huddy got, uh, Bryce Petty got sandwiched between, I believe it was Cam Wake and Dominican Sue. Uh, that was that game uh, where he just got absolutely obliterated. So that, that, that was, uh, I guess, a, Highlight, low light, whatever you want to say of the game. Uh, but anyway, stay the whole rest of the game. And I forget at one point, but you know, she's telling me all these stories about Tanner Purdom. So just all this stuff. Great, great stuff. Uh, and then after the game, or at some point during the game, she was like, after the game, let me take you to meet him. Let me take you, you know, back and you're gonna get to meet him and you know, maybe meet other players. And I was like, it's amazing. Now, obviously, like I'll say this: me in 2023, that'd be that'd be awesome. And it's an amazing experience. Me in 2016, I was blown away because like I was like, totally a fan. I've never talked to any Jets players. I've never talked to like athletes. This was like the coolest thing. Right. Um, and so after the game, like they bring me out back where like all the, the players are. And I ended up getting a ton of signatures. Even before I met Tanner Purdom, I got signatures on my Jersey from, I'll start with the highlights and then kind of work my way down. If I remember them all Leonard Williams, which that was insane. Um, I believe, yeah, Robbie Anderson, Chosen Anderson, chosen. whatever. <laughs> Robbie Anderson, Chosen Anderson. He definitely didn't sign. The artist formerly known as Robbie Anderson. Right. Um, and then there were a couple of of not as relevant players. And I, I don't even know if you remember one of them. So Lachlan Edwards. I know you remember right. Lachlan Edwards, of course. Um, Jalen Marshall. I believe Jalen Marshall was Oh, one. Buckeye. Yeah, I believe it was Jalen Marshall. Like Percy Harvin. Yeah. No, it might not have been. Was who was it? Oh, it might not have been Jalen Marshall. Eh, somebody, whatever. Uh, Craig Watts. Do you remember, do you know who Craig Watts is? I'd be stunned if you. I knew mean, him. I know a guy named Craig Watts that probably did not play for the Jets. So he was a backup offensive lineman. I don't believe he ever played in a game, but he was like on the team at that point. Oh, that's got to be uh, rare. You got like the one signature of this I, guy, I, dude. I, there's there's one Tanner Purdom jersey signed by Craig Watts in the world, and I own it. Uh, <laughs> it's <the> collector's <laughs> item. NFT can't take so, this. Yeah. So that, that was, that was, that was like amazing. I got to see all, you know, players. Uh, and then of course, Tanner Perta makes his way down and I, I talked to him for a little bit. He signed my Jersey. We take pictures together. It was amazing. It was an awesome time. Uh, his wife was amazing. His friend and friend's fiance, they were all incredible people. Uh, and they like sort of kept in contact afterwards too. In fact, that Christmas, or it might have been the next year's Christmas, I think it was that Christmas, um, I get a DM from Tanner Purdom, who, by the way, after the game, did see the tweet and did reply to it, quote tweeted it on Twitter. Uh, and if you scroll back long enough in his Twitter history, you could find that tweet. Uh, if anybody wants to look look and see, I don't think he's tweeted a bunch. You could probably find that. Um, but he did quote tweet it after the game, and he DM'd me uh, like weeks later and sent me a new, fresh Tanner Purdom jersey uh, for free for Christmas because he's an awesome dude. Oh, that's nice. Amazing guy. Uh, and then I guess the last part of that is that after all the players had left, right, I'm kind of just like, my phone was almost dead. I'm taking it all in. I told my friends what was sort of happening, but they were like, 
kind of, you know, in the dark about a lot of stuff. We're already on the bus back to school. Goodbye. No idea what was going on. Right. So I like tried to fill them in on stuff. And as I'm on the phone telling them what's happening, I look over and I see you're not going to guess. You would never guess who I'm about to say. Right. It's not even a player. I see Michael McCagnon, (laughs) Mike McCagnon and his, I assume, wife walking out of the stadium. I better hope it's his wife. <laughs> yes, I don't want to get this man in trouble. Yeah. It's his wife. I'll blow up his spot here, man. That would be, yeah, that'd be pretty awful if I just like outed him on the spot right there. But I think it was his wife. Uh, walking out of the stadium together and like everybody was gone. Like all the fans were gone. All the players were gone. It was just like, I was just kind of chilling in like sort of where the, the, the parking lot is. Uh, and, and I, you know, talked to him and I ended up like shaking his hand, took pictures with him. Uh, it was crazy. I think I asked him at that point if the Jets were going to re-sign Tanner Purdom because <laughs> he was a free agent at the end of the year. They did end up, I believe, re-signing him. And I think he, I, I think, yeah, they re-signed him, but that was the year they ended up cutting him and, uh, ended up bringing in Thomas Hennessy. So they did re-sign him, but they cut him. So that sucked. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much my Tanner Purdom story. That's I met pretty him. good uh it, it's it's crazy and i still like i i sort of still co- sort of keep in contact with him to this point that's um, awesome I, I honestly would love to have him on like as an interview i should totally reach yeah. out to him because i'm sure yeah, i never had like an interaction with a player like that the only time i could rem- the only other one that came close to the bengals one though was i was at Jets seven cardinal six where uh Oh, this was Mark Sanchez going 10 of 20, not 21 with three picks. And Ryan Lindley, it was Ryan. with a pick. Oh my God. No, so this was great. So I remember this It's the third quarter. It's three, nothing uh, Cardinals. I think the Cardinals got like its points on like the first drive. And that was like it. And Mark Sanchez throws an incompletion, like overthrown badly to Stephen Hill. And everybody starts booing. Now this is when Tim Tebow's there. This is the Tebow year. Oh, boy. So, no, but Tebow's there. He's warming up on the bench. They're showing him on, like, the the board. But then the whole crowd just going, McElroy, McElroy (laughs) for Greg McElroy. So then the the huddle goes out, and then the quarterbacks are talking, and McElroy goes out later. The whole stadium, yeah. I mean, like, the most – it looked like VJ Day. It was, like, the most exciting (laughs) scene ever. Then the first, he's just running a little bit, you know, incomplete pass. Then his first drive, he throws like just a regular, like a slant to Stephen Hill. He catches it. Everybody, it's like when Strevler had that play. I was literally oh. about to say that because I was at that Jags game where Strevler played. It's reminding no, me. Oh, nothing like this was, this was, I, it tops that if you could imagine that. Yeah. But, uh, and then the best part was he, he threw a touchdown to win the game, but it was just like a little dinky one yard pass to Jeff Cumberland on a rollout. You would have thought that he like, through a 70 yard pass to win the game. I mean, it was, it was just pure. It was, it was euphoric. I've ever seen a Jets cry. And then the next game he played the Chargers and got sacked 10 times. And that was the end of Greg McElroy. But yeah, I mean, he had that one moment. He had that one moment in the league and I got to see it. So, wow. So you saw Greg McElroy's highlight of his career. You saw one of the two Greg McElroy appearances in his Jets. <laughs> one of the, the good one because he had a good one and a bad one. I saw right. the, one, the only good one he had. So, by the way, Ryan Lindley, you know, uh, Ryan Lindley is my Tim Boyle for like your, your how, how you feel about Tim Boyle is how, how I feel about Ryan Lindley. Ryan I think Lindley's Ryan, good in college, though. So, I think Ryan Lindley is the worst NFL quarterback I've ever seen play. I, I, I've ever seen start an NFL game. He has started, I believe, two postseason games. Yeah, which is unbelievable. Like that's crazy that he started. He started two different, like two separate occasions. It wasn't even the same year. He started two different playoff games. He's a coach now. I remember he was with the Browns for a little bit, and I think he's in college now. But good for him. I hope he's. I mean, he figured out where his talents lie, man. 
I, I hope he's doing well. I mean, he's a million times better quarterback than I'll ever be, but I, <laughs> that I mean, that's not saying much for either of us, but yes, Ryan Lindley will. Ryan Lindley could probably be as bold up. He's a big dude. He was like 6'5". Oh, so I don't sure. know. Obviously, yeah. I just remember like seeing him play and being like, I've never seen somebody play the quarterback position worse than this. Like It's like the worst NFL quarterback I've ever seen. And then we saw Zach Wilson. So on that note. Then we saw Zach Wilson. On that note, that's your quarterback. That's your quarterback. Remember that. That's your Begrudgingly, not by choice. So on that note, we'll call time on this show, which was kind of a fun one, I thought. Really nostalgia Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. Take us home, Justin. Yes, sir. I had a lot of fun today. I hope you guys watching did as well. Make, make sure to let us know. Uh, one, if you want to see us do that again in some other capacity, maybe with like an all-time team, would be fun. And definitely let us know if my team was better or if Mike's team was better. And we think we know. I think I know which one is the better one. But Yay, yeah, I mean, you could vote for Justin if you're wrong, or you know, you could do the other one, you know. <laughs> Definitely let us know. Uh, and also, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Maybe you'll see some of those Tanner Purdom tweets if you go scroll way back. Uh, follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. You can download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do at this point. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for joining us on the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you folks next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.